Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda, the date-focused note-taking app for iPad, iPhone, and Mac. Learn more at agenda.com. You know, it's weird, but for whatever reason, OmniFocus really is my iPad app. I use that app more on iPad than the iPhone and Mac combined. The actual work of OmniFocus of going through and adding tasks, removing tasks, doing reviews, I do nearly entirely on the iPad. Welcome back to iPad Pros. I'm excited for episode 99 to bring you an interview I did with the host of Mac Power Users, David Sparks. You can find David's work at MacSparky.com. Here you can find his blog, the Mac Sparky Field Guides, and his podcasts, which include Mac Power Users, Automators, and Focused. David also runs Sparks Law, and we get to dive into how the iPad plays a role in all these aspects of his work on this episode. As a reminder, you can support this podcast a few different ways. First off, go out and download Agenda for free right now. Agenda is a great app with an awesome new widget and scribble support in iPadOS 14. Another way to support the podcast is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review goes a long way in signaling to Apple to show this podcast more in search. You can also get episodes early at patreon.com slash iPadPros. With that, here's my interview with David. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So can you first introduce yourself? I think most people know Max Sparky, uh, but who are you? Where'd the Max Sparky name come from? And Sure. I'm a, I'm a nerd in California who loves Apple stuff. I I fell in love with the Mac in like 1987, you know, so I've just always been a fan of, of Apple's take on technology. I guess about 12 years ago now, I started a website called Mac Sparky, and that's kind of grown into different things. I've got a a, a podcast over on Relay FM called Mac Power Users, which uh, which also covers the iPad, frankly, but when we named the show, the iPad didn't exist. <laughs> the, uh, um, and... Uh, you know, uh, the automators with Rosemary Orchard, where we also talk a lot of iPad automation. But I, I just love using Apple hardware to get my work done. And I, I write about it over at MacSparky.com. Excellent. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Mac Stories is run by iPads now these days, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the iPad has been a tool you've played around with for, for work a uh, long, long time at this point, like 2011 is when you wrote the book on it. Uh, like how integral was it for work back then versus now? And how's that been for you? I remember the day I bought the first iPad and um, how giddy I was with it because it's just such a delightful piece of technology. You know, a, a computer is just stripped down to its core. It's just a screen that you touch and interact with and it does whatever you want it to do. And it's just like such a great idea. I mean, there's a reason why if you go back and look at science fiction predating the iPad like 2001 or Star Trek Next Generation, everybody in the future, according to, to sci-fi, carries iPads. You know, it just makes so much sense. And so I immediately fell in love with the device. And, and to this day, I just love using the iPad to get my work done when I can. It's been a little frustrating path and journey, you know, because Apple, I think at first took the approach of the iPad as a, as a big iPhone. And that's what, you know, it's going to be and no more. But it feels to me like the last several years that has changed and, and Apple is really turning it into a serious compute platform. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Is there anything truly shocking if I were to tell you back in like 2010, 2011, what is now in the OS or hardware wise has been done to the iPad some 10 years later? Is there anything that'd be like, no way, that's that's crazy? Um, you know what? I, I wouldn't be that shocked by it because I feel like you know the stuff that they're doing now is the stuff that we all wanted at the very beginning. I mean, I don't know if you recall with the first iPad to put documents on it, you had to connect it with a copper cable to your Mac and go through iTunes. It was just, it was nutty. And it, it was obvious at the time that, you know, even back then, I think Dropbox existed. And you're like, well, why can't I just put this somewhere in the cloud and access it on my device? So, I mean, when you look at the stuff they're doing now, it, it really is kind of where it needed to go. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, just trying, I can't think of anything offhand. I mean, the, the hardware speed, I, I never would have guessed that it would be faster than a MacBook Pro. You know, that's something that would have shocked me. But that's more an effect of Apple's own, you know, silicon adventures than the actual iPad software. 
Yeah, thanks to the iPhone and the iPad, the the Mac will be getting a speed bump pretty soon here as well. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's crazy, and everybody's losing their mind over it. But you know, this is just the same speeds we've been getting for years on iPad. <laughs> right. yeah. It's like you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, what's your current uh, setup on the iPad? Um, I have two right now. I have a. Um, I have both iPad Pro. Uh, I have the big one. Yep. And um, I had a listener who had his wife wanted the mini when they updated the mini a year or two ago. So he sold me her uh, her her medium size Pro, and um, I use them very differently. You know, back before you know the days of COVID, the smaller size iPad Pro was with me at all times. Every time I left the house, you know, I'd go into client meetings. I'm also an attorney. Go into client meetings, pull the iPad out. You know with the iPad and the pencil or even the attached keyboard if I needed it, if I really needed it, was all I needed to kind of get through my day. And the iPad, the big iPad Pro, I keep on a um, elevation, um, I think it's called elevation surface. It's a, it's a big slab of metal that you can set at different angles okay. from Elevation Lab. Is that the draft table thing? Yes, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, draft table. Yeah, and so I, I bought this two iPads ago, I think, but it sits at the base of my iMac and I keep the big iPad on there all day. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff I do on iPad that's more efficient than on Mac, like, you know, shortcuts and there's just, you know, there's, as you know, there's some things that are easier on iPad and some things that are harder, but the easier stuff on the iPad, why not just have it right in front of me? Right. Yeah. And then I have a, a keyboard that has two Bluetooth radios in it. So I, I just click between them all day and I work on the big iPad or the Mac. And when I do stuff around the house, I just take that big iPad with me and, you know, walk around the house with it or sit on the couch. So the little one has always been kind of the go away iPad. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm not using that one very much because I'm not going away very often. So now I've put that upstairs next to the bed and it's my, you know, it's so ridiculous that (laughs) I have an iPad pro for my bedtime iPad, but I do. So is that one cellular enabled? That one is cellular. The the big one is not the small one is, but I haven't used it in a long time now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine a lot of people are deactivating cell plans uh, for a while here. Yeah. Is the Magic Keyboard something you picked up for the smaller one since that's your portable unit? Yeah. I actually bought both Magic Keyboards. <laughs> I, I got it for the big one because I wasn't going anywhere, but I do carry the big one around the house a lot. So I got it and I liked it so much that I bought one for the smaller one too. Yeah. And, so I lay in bed sometimes to answer email and stuff with, with the Magic Keyboard. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I guess going back to your earlier question, another thing that is kind of surprising is how far Apple has gone down the stack of input mechanisms for the iPad, where it started as just a touch-only device. It is, of all everything Apple makes, it's the one that does the most different types of touch. You know, you want pencil? We got that. You want keyboard? We got that. You want keyboard? You want trackpad? Got that too. You know, whatever it is you want to do with an iPad, they've got an input mechanism. The versatility of that is just great. And I hope they expand to other things like touchscreen, external monitors and things of that nature in the future. Yeah. So any other notable accessories that are kind of weird and not used that often? Like you mentioned Apple Pencil and Magic Keyboard and the draft table. Anything uh, Anything else? Not really. I have a big anchor battery that I used to carry around and I like in a year, I never plugged it into the iPad because if I, when I'd go out for a day of client meetings or whatever, I never ran out of battery. So I just stopped carrying it. Yeah. And then uh, the Apple Pencil, I actually use the Apple Pencil as a non artist. I use it quite a bit. Um, I really like using the iPad in kind of like naked mode outside of a case or a keyboard stand. And, you know, with the ability, with handwriting recognition being added, I, I find that quite often, like, like one of the main things I do on iPad is OmniFocus management, my task manager, mm-hmm. and I use the pencil to manipulate the uh, the the user interface. But I also use the pencil to add tasks and you know just write tasks in and do other things with it as well. So you're finding Scribble pretty useful in that regard. It's recognizing your handwriting pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I went through a thing. I, I wrote up a Max Sparky over a course of years, a bunch of different apps that were made that try to do this, and they would. They would replace the built-in keyboard. Yeah, right pad, I think, was one of them. Yeah, and there was another one called, I think, Nebo, not Nebo, but it was the same people who made Nebo. But, you know, there have been several, and they kind of come and go. Part of me, I think, likes the interface where it opens up the writing pad at the bottom where the keyboard would be better than writing on the screen. Yeah. I know Apple did that because it's just so intuitive that you just write there and there it goes. But the problem is sometimes there's not space. And Mm -hmm. I almost, I think, you know, if I had a, I'd like to try it with Apple's, 
in a scribble system, but have dedicated space at the bottom to write. But either way, I use that more than most people that I know. And we'll get into your log practice later, but signing documents and things, is that something you're using the iPad for with the pencil? Is that a big difference? Yeah, all the time. All the time. Yeah. So file management is something you've been, I'd say, passionate about as a a computer user in general and making sure everything's organized in a certain way. And the Mac has had many tools to really make that great. The iPad's been lagging um, quite a bit. What's kind of the state of file management for you? Yeah, you know, it's it, it's funny because I've been harping on that so long. The, the year that Apple added actual file support to the iPad, I was at WWDC covering it as Max Berkey. I wasn't actually covering the event, but I was walking down the street and some guy with an Apple badge just pulls me aside and says, we fixed file management. Will you please shut up? You know? <laughs> You know, and, you know, the problem was the original model, as you and your listeners know, I mean, Apple wanted to rethink file management with the iPad, you know, and yep. the model they wanted was it's it's app based. You open an app and the files you need for that app are there and you don't have a finder because for a lot of people, the finder is just this mysterious box that you go in and you get lost in and you're not sure what you're doing. But for power users, the finder is, is very powerful because you may have a project you're working on that has a pages document and an Excel spreadsheet and a PDF. And there isn't an app where you go and see all those things together. That's what the finder is for, you know, and they resisted that for a long time, too long in my opinion, but then they finally got around to it and they have, you know, the files app now, which is kind of a simplified finder. And that solved a lot of the problems and complaints I had. There's still things they could do better. I mean, the cloud integration is still a little clunky in my opinion. It doesn't work exactly as I expect. The new thing I I complain about is tagging. I mean, tagging on the iPad is ridiculous. We just, I just had Federico Vitici on Mac Power Users last week, and we actually kind of went down this rabbit hole where him and I were at WWDC together the year they updated the files app. And rather than give you a search bar or something, they just gave you a list of all your tags and you're supposed to scroll through them. <laughs> but as an, as an iPad user, you know what happens when you scroll a long list, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's first of all, it's going to interpret one of those scrolling gestures as a touch gesture. Yep. So it's going to add a tag, but then it's going to just keep scrolling down at the same time. And it, it's just crazy. And how how long is your tag list? To Adara? Oh, hundreds. Hundreds. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Because I have a tag for every client, you know, and then Mm -hmm. I have tags for different kinds of legal documents. And on the Mac, this is completely manageable because they have a search bar. Yeah. You know, and uh, finding them is one thing. Adding them is is even more difficult on the iPad. And the thing is, like, if I have working tags and I can have Hazel on the back end on my Mac processing documents for me as I work with them on the iPad. And if I'm on a Mac laptop, it's it's easy. It's trivial. On a, on an iPad, it really adds this friction degree that makes you not want to do the work on the iPad. So so it's just frustrating. But then, you know, things are getting better. Uh, I, I talked about the app. I have to look it up. There's a, there's a, one of the, the shortcuts plugin apps. I want to say Toolbox Pro has a way to automate adding tags. So that takes care of the tag creation. And like there's, there's some solutions now, but really Apple needs to take care of that. And the next time the guy in pulls me aside on the street from <laughs> Apple. I'm going to let him know. Here's what you need to do next. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting into the weeds. I mean, overall, I get a lot of work done on the iPad. Yeah. And you mentioned shortcuts. That is becoming more and more powerful year after year. Yeah. What's missing that you would like to add? If you were you know, in charge of shortcuts, what one or two actions would you enable to make your life that much better on iPad? I would be even more trusting of the user um, this year, we got a lot of automation triggers that don't require a confirmation dialog box, but you know they just need to unlock them all. I mean, location is a big deal, and that one requires a confirmation. You know, I, I just feel like there needs to be like almost a pro mode for shortcuts. Yeah, you know, make me type in my password to enable it so i'm not you know a bozo but i I would like to see them get even more automation friendly but overall i think the shortcuts team we have had an amazing result from them purchasing workflow i mean a lot of times apple buys a company and you don't know you know that's not necessarily a good thing i mean we got there's no way workflow would have ever been as powerful as shortcuts is no because they couldn't have had this deep integration and yeah we all feared when they 
became a part of Apple, oh gosh, end of <laughs> workflow, and is this going to be good anymore? Yeah, like is Ari going to be put on the Pages team? You know, it's like what's going to happen, right? But they didn't. They kept the team together. They, you know, I I think Shortcuts is amazing, and Mac automation is more powerful than iPad automation because we have things like Apple Events, Apple Script, JavaScript program. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can do on Mac that just the the mobile devices don't give you that much control. But there is no easier platform to automate on than Shortcuts. And Shortcuts runs circles around Automator. I wish Apple had given Sal Segoyan the, the, the resources they gave the Shortcuts team because then we would have that on the Mac too. Yeah, that'd be great when it comes to Mac uh, Shortcuts. I'd imagine one of these days it will. Yeah. Well, I, I, one of my big questions is when these Apple Silicon Macs start shipping, what happens if you open Shortcuts on your Mac? I mean, what, what does that mean? <laughs> or a preference pane in a Mac, an iPad app that uh, is like a shortcuts preference. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It'll be interesting. Have you started using the time-based automations to do anything on your iPad or phone yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, time-based is the easiest one because it doesn't require a confirmation dialog box. I use time-based automations to set my contextual watch faces throughout the day. I also use time-based stuff to like run background processes. Like one of the problems with iPad is that, you know, apps aren't given free reign to go hit the internet whenever they want. And DevonThink is an app I use or was it DevonThink to go? Yeah. And I, I wanted to sync my data. So I just have it open up at 2 a.m., you just open the app and it syncs the data. It doesn't. You don't have to do anything but open the app and then it takes care of it. But that iPad I have plugged in under my iMac at 2 a.m. will check in with Dev and Think every day. And does the screen turn on for that behavior? Or is it like opening with the screen off and just doing that in the background? Or I don't know because I've never been around when it <laughs> runs. But I know every time I open Dev and Think, it has my data in it. So and it's you don't running. have the worry about leaving unlocked or anything it just falls asleep as normal yeah yeah that's great i guess i gotta stay up or, or just set a test and run it like 4 p.m someday but i just turned it on having faith it would work and it yeah it seems to work so maybe <laughs> now you got me questioning myself <laughs> i'm curious i actually i haven't tried one of those for app openings which yeah i know it's a definitely a thing you can do with um uh, your podcast automators has rosemary given you any kind of light bulb moments uh in the podcast as you're chatting with her about things you didn't consider automating that you now are well all the time rose is so smart and she you know she's a developer so she comes at things from a different angle than me i'm more of a power user than a developer one of the things she said to me that i've recently been playing with is rather than using time-based automation to set watch faces why not use toggle timers like i have a bunch of shortcuts automations to set timers for uh, toggle and i do it through the timer app but if I set it up as a shortcut, I could also have it go ahead and set a watch face. So like if I'm going to record automators with Rose, have it go to my watch face with the London time zone on it so I can know what time it is where she is or something like that. So there is some idea. She always has good ideas. I mean, it's very collaborative. Her and I, we plan every show out and we get on the phone every month and kind of talk through stuff we want to cover. But uh, I, I really want that show not to be just for programmers. I want anybody to feel like they can automate. So I want to make sure we cover solutions on there that don't involve writing code. Yeah. But the code stuff is great too. I mean, it's just, we know we try and go the whole gamut. And the forum you guys have set up is one of the most active just automation forums out there. It's it's a great resource for people. Yeah, yeah, it is. So OmniFocus, you mentioned before, that's like your task manager of choice. Yeah. Where do you find yourself using this on the iPad versus the Mac? Like what situations are better on the different platforms? You know, it's weird, but for whatever reason... OmniFocus really is my iPad app. I use that app more on iPad than the iPhone and Mac combined. And the way I use OmniFocus is I really try to not be in the application all day. I feel like, you know, task management is not actually task completion. You know, on a perfect day, I go through at the end of the day and plan the next day out and manage, do all my task management. So I process my inbox and figure out what's going to be on the agenda for the next day. And then uh, as I, I wake up, I, I really don't do a lot of task planning. Ideally, I just wake up and start working. And then I can I can look at my tasks. I've got perspectives that just show me the list in the various areas of my life, and I can see them on my phone. I can even see them on my watch. I can see it on my Mac. But the actual work of OmniFocus of going through and adding tasks, removing tasks, doing reviews, I do nearly entirely on the iPad. And you mentioned the inbox. Are you sending stuff in there from drafts? You're like writing up just ideas you have or share sheets of like web URLs that you need to take action on or what's the 
way to get stuff into it. Yeah, Tim, yes to all of it. I, okay. When I take the dog on a walk, I will add um, tasks. You know, I actually do it through drafts I, and on the watch. And then I am um, on the Mac. I'll hit the keyboard shortcut and add them to the inbox directly. I mean, all day long things are going in there. And then at the end of the day, that's one of my day in tasks is to process that inbox. And maybe it's faster on the Mac. I don't know, but I just really like the process on the iPad of touching and moving the kind of hands-on process with your tasks. And honestly, if I need like big time compute power to manage my tasks, then I have too many tasks anyway. Right. But I use the pencil. Usually, I mean, I'll I actually try to get out of my usual workspace for it. Like I live in Southern California, so we usually have good weather. So I usually go in the backyard and just sit in a comfy chair in the backyard with the iPad and just do all that management stuff right there on the iPad. Yeah, it's a great platform for that. Especially the review is just so nice on the iPad. It seems like just a great thing to just sit back and just go through everything. Yeah, and then you just open drafts and dictate into it while you're doing it. Like I'll go through at the end of the day and maybe I missed a couple emails or whatever that I wanted to get done. I'll just open drafts and dictate them into drafts right there with the iPad. I, when I take the iPad in the backyard to do the day and stuff, I don't have a keyboard. I just take the pencil and the iPad. Yeah. And if you're in an environment with dictation being appropriate, uh, drafts is amazing with the endless mode where it just keeps listening. Yeah. So let's dive into some of the different aspects of kind of what you do for work. And first up sparks law and, what is Sparks Law? It's obviously a law practice, but what's your focus and everything there? Yeah. So I, I've been practicing almost 30 years now. I'm a business attorney. I started out as a litigator. I spent a lot of time in court, but I've kind of evolved the practice because uh, litigation is very difficult. It's very difficult to do anything else when you do litigation because it's it's like being a fireman. You really have no control over your schedule. So I represent about 150 companies and I do their business law, you know, whatever that means for them. And the tools I use for that are plenty of email, plenty of task management, lots of Microsoft Word, some pages. I do a lot of stuff in OmniGraffle and Omni Planner. I do, you know, just just the kind of like project management, uh, document intensive stuff. I do a lot of PDF review because like I read contracts for clients every day. So I do that, you know, so, you know, kind of the meat and potatoes kind of productivity apps that you would think of. And breaking free into your own practice, uh, you're obviously now more in control of which technology you use. Was that a big, nice quality of life improvement with just that aspect alone? It was. I mean, the, the old firm I worked at, I left five years ago and started my own practice. And they let me do whatever I wanted, frankly. But yeah. they were on kind of like the Microsoft Exchange system. So I had to use their email and their calendar. And I got off all of that when I left them. But they let me do what I want. But I think it's remarkable how much of that stuff that I do is actually very practical on an iPad. Like my, Microsoft Word is a good example. Like if you had told me like five years ago that, you know, they're going to, you know, Microsoft Word and Google Docs are coming to the iPad and one of them is going to be an amazing implementation <laughs> and one of them is going to be just garbage. I would have said, oh, so Google's going to get really serious about the iPad, right? <laughs> right. I would have yeah. guessed it was going to be Microsoft. No, it, it's wild. They have done an amazing job with that. And you're finding all the features that you're needing for the office work you do is is there on the iPad version? Yeah, I mean, some things are not. Um, the uh, the the biggest hang up for me with the Microsoft Word is style formatting because I am you know one of those anal retentive people. I, I format styles into all my Word documents, so mm-hmm. heading one, heading two, all that stuff. You can't change that formatting on iPad. You can change it on Mac. So what I've done is I've made template documents that I just saved and I can open those up on iPad. And so I already have kind of the styles I always want. Yeah. But if I want to make changes to them, it's actually not that easy on iPad. Huh. Interesting. And with OmniPlan and OmniGraffle, are the iPad versions full featured enough to be using the iPad for that kind of work? Or are you on the Mac for a lot of that? It depends. Uh, the OmniPlan I use more on iPad than Mac and OmniGraffle is more on Mac than iPad. But, okay. you know, just kind of, it's just kind of habit yeah. more than anything else. And with OmniPlan, I've always tried to figure a use case of that because you're allocating resources to get different projects done. 
Like, where does that tool work for you versus OmniFocus, which is just all about tasks? Yeah, I, I underuse OmniPlan, but I it's almost more of a marketing thing for me. With my clients, when the, I get they give me a project to do for them, I have templated project plans for the most common things I do. And I don't have a big team working on it. It's usually mainly me. But there are sometimes contingencies involved. I make those in OmniPlan and I send the PDF off to the client at the beginning so they know kind of the rough timeline of what we're doing. When a contingency hits and we can't stick to the deadline, I send them an updated version. And the clients really like the updates. It seems like, you know, giving them that information makes them feel less, you know, you know, out of touch with what's going on. And do you work with the virtual assistant for your work or is it just solely you? I have I have an assistant. Yeah. And for Dealing with emails and stuff, are you able to use like Spark collaboration or what's your approach there? Mail on iPad is another thing that I just cannot get solved. Maybe you can help me out. I've tried them all. We've talked about them on Mac Power Users and I'm just never happy with any of the solutions. Like Apple Mail is rock solid, but it's super limited in terms of features Like just the way you go to print a PDF in Apple Mail feels like a secret handshake or something, (laughs) you know? And so every once in a while I get the bug and I go try something. Just last week, I installed Spark on my Mac and my iPad. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give Spark a real chance. And one of the key things I do is I save links to emails all the time, you know? It's like if a client sends me an email, I'll save a link to it and attach it to the task. But I also may add it to a a notes page or whatever. I just want to be able to jump back to that email anytime I want. And then, so I'm like, oh, this will be good. And and there was a bunch of features in Spark that I like. And I was even considering signing up for the collaborative stuff, even though I don't really need it that much with my one assistant. But, But then I realized when you make a link in Spark, it creates a public URL and puts that email on the internet. You know? Oh, that's not great. <laughs> no, it's not. Especially oh. with client communication. So yeah. it's like, well, I had, I installed the whole thing. I mean, I, I, you know, just someone on the forum at MPU forums was telling me, well, if you add it to a task, then it creates a private link that just goes to it. But there's no way to create the private link short of going through all these hoops. And I'm like, that's stupid. Hmm. Yeah. I, I just, you know, I can't seem to get my arms around it. What I'm really doing now on on uh, mail is largely i triage mail on an ipad so i'll take a look at it and make sure there's nothing blowing up but i have made a series of mailboxes that are kind of processing boxes and i do all the processing on the mac because on the mac i have apple script and i have mail tags and some other tools available to me that just aren't on the the ipad and i've tried so many ways over the years to like process mail on the ipad and i've, I've kind of given up on it at this point hopefully Better tools exist in the future, and plugins on the mail.app would be amazing in the future. We'll see if that ever happens. I, you know, I've stopped. Get, I, I'm like, my hope is burned out for Apple Mail on iPad. It's like, yeah, they can't even get a sharing button, and it's been 10 years. So, yeah. do you? I don't know. I don't know what to say. So, with processing email on the Mac, I've heard is this you use the iPad as like a big touch screen with quick actions for different things. Is that right? Yeah. And I'll like delete stuff or I'll move it. But if it's anything substantive, I actually won't do it. Like you know yeah. what I was talking about earlier, how I'd go in the backyard and I dictate stuff into drafts. I probably won't send it from the iPad. I'll just save it and then drafts will be on my Mac with the data synced over and I'll do it later. Yeah. I, I really have um, regressed with respect to ha- handling email on my mobile devices because there just isn't a good solution. With the trackpad on the iPad, is screens something that you've just like, let me just go to the Mac and pretend I'm in front of a Mac right now on my iPad? Yeah, I, I can do that. And I played with that. But it, it's at this point, at least, I'm going from my backyard to my house, right? You know, I mean, it's like, why not just sit in front of my 27 inch screen and like triggering Apple scripts remotely is just, it's just going to be more frustration. I, I don't really have a good solution to that problem. But yeah. And honestly, in my head, that's not what the iPad is good at right now. There are other things I can do while I've got the iPad. And, uh, I, and you know, it's kind of this thing where I feel like people always, want to say, well, you know, are you an iPad guy? Or are you a Mac guy? I'm really both. I, I really like both platforms. And I like, I'm fortunate enough that I can afford both. Yeah, the right, the right tool for the job, right? Yeah. And I'm going to take 
advantage of the best parts of each platform for the different things that they do. And at this point, for me at least, mail, because of the way I do mail and because it's legal mail and I have to really track it, uh, that stuff is just easier and better on the Mac. So I've stopped fighting it. I'm just going to, you know, I have time set aside to do with email and I'm doing that at a Mac. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda, the date-focused note-taking app for iPad, iPhone, and Mac. Agenda, if you haven't tried it out, is an awesome note-taking app that really thoughtfully integrates your calendar and reminders into your notes. If you have a meeting coming up, you can use an Agenda note to prepare for that meeting and have all the information related to that meeting on hand. These days, with more and more virtual meetings, you can even save that recording of that meeting as a part of that agenda note. I love the organization system in Agenda. You can divide out the main aspects of your life or job, and from those main categories, create different projects for everything you are working on. You can mark notes as on the agenda. These are the notes you are working on and need additional research or thought put into them before your deadline comes up. These notes can also be front of mind by using their new widget for iPad and iPhone. You can even link notes to a calendar event, and that agenda note will then be linked to in the description of that event in both the built-in calendar app and third-party apps like Fantastical. This makes it dead simple to get into your agenda note from your calendar when the time is right. If you've ever tried using a task manager to take notes and were frustrated by that experience, give Agenda a try. It's the note-taking app that can actually help you stay on track with work and personal projects. The best thing about Agenda is the free version is very full-featured, and the app doesn't nag you or penalize you for not being a premium user. It is a user-first design and one that provides a great atmosphere to work in. That said, there are some really nice premium features that I really love. For iPhone users with OLED displays, there's a special true dark mode that uses pure black. This is something I'm loving that I'm on the iPhone 12 mini now. I'm also loving the ability to create subcategories to further organize my agenda library in a way that makes more sense for how I think about organization. They continue to push out amazing new updates month after month, including full support for new OS features like they've done yet again with iOS and iPadOS 14. Their widget is something I'm finding really useful, especially on my iPhone, where it is front and center. If you're a Scribble fan, it really does sing an agenda when you are taking notes during a meeting or client call. When you upgrade to get the premium agenda features, you aren't signing up for a yearly subscription plan. You get to keep every premium feature that is released in the next 12 months, and only if Agenda delivers new premium features you think are worth paying for do you have to pay again. The developers are constantly working on making you happy as a premium customer to earn your business again and again. To learn more, go to Agenda.com. Download Agenda today for free from the App Store. My thanks to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. With law applications, there's this vertical market of lit software apps, trial pad, transcript pad, doc review. Do you use any of those these days? Or Yeah, lit software is amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right up front that the guy who makes lit software is a friend of mine. Uh, he's just become a friend over the years because I have, you know, back when I was litigating, I used trial pad for every trial. And every trial, I looked better than the other side, no matter how big the firm was or how expensive the software they had was. It's amazing what lit has done. I don't use it that much anymore, though, because I don't do trial work. Yeah. With Mech Sparky, the website itself, is that you creating that in like a WordPress type thing or? It's, it's Squarespace. Squarespace. Actually. Okay. Yeah. The ads got to me, I guess. <laughs> they do work <laughs> over time. Yeah. And uh, with OmniGraffle, what do you end up using that for um, to make your clients look amazing? I use that stuff both for legal and Mac Sparky, but I'm a very visual thinker. And a lot of times just making a quick graph of something or a chart or a diagram helps me kind of sort it out. And OmniGraffle is super fast at that, you know, the auto alignment tools and everything. So I frequently put together graphics, even like in some of the books and screencasts I make, all that stuff is built in OmniGraffle. Yeah. No, it's a it's a great tool. I, it's been a while since I've used it, but I do love it when I have an opportunity to, to use it for something. I mean, I, I made our Christmas card last year in OmniGraffle, so, you know. That's great. <laughs> Has shifting to less in-person meetings with people changed how much you end up using the iPad for Sparks Law? Well, it has sort of. Like I said, the little iPad is no longer getting a lot of use. I mean, I'm embarrassed that I've got this 
you know, very expensive iPad that I use to read Kindle books in bed. You know, when I do get on calls with clients, I still use the iPad often. Uh, I don't share it because it's that big one that's sitting right under my table. I usually yeah. pencil to handwrite notes or, you know, I've always felt like a laptop when you're meeting somebody creates a wall right. between you and that person. And they don't know if you're like checking out Facebook or if you're actually paying attention to what they're saying. And when you lay an iPad on the table with a pencil, they can see that you're working on their problem. And um, it just, it's just a very different vibe. Mm-hmm. So the iPad is really good at that. Uh, when I'm on the phone with someone, I still do it the same way because it's just my habit. But you don't get as much of that benefit from it. And I will uh, sometimes type notes into my Mac when I'm on the phone with somebody. But yeah, I'm definitely not using the iPad as much in the way I was before because I'd go to all these client meetings and that was the device I had. Yeah. Would you use GoodNotes as your note-taking app or what do you use the take notes during meetings? Yeah. Yeah, GoodNotes. GoodNotes. GoodNotes is my favorite. I know that there's kind of like a running battle between GoodNotes and uh, Notability. If I was back in school, I would probably use Notability because that feature where you can record the lecture and tie your notes to it. Are you aware of that? Oh, it's brilliant. If I was in school, good. that'd be so great because you just had the slides and kind of just like circle things as the teacher's talking about it almost. Yeah, but but I like the the render, the ink render of GoodNotes better, and I like their templating system. I, I don't just I really think that neither one is a bad call, but yeah. but for me, GoodNotes just kind of resonates with me. Anything else about Sparks Law before we move on to? Uh, your field guys not really i mean i just i i can do a lot of work with my ipad yeah and the field guides so these started out as ebooks i have a couple of the originals on my ibooks app or i guess it's apple books now yeah can, can you share a bit on the history of these and how they have evolved over the years yeah so i i started out writing books for wiley i had books in like barnes and noble like paper books. Um, one of the first ones I did was iPad at work, which was with the original iPad. I spent, I, I used it alone for three months back when you had to plug in the copper wire to download <laughs> documents. It was a, it was a, it was hard times, but I wrote a book about it. You had that uh, keyboard doc back in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Either way. So I, I did that, but I wanted to have more interactivity. I feel like with teaching technology, like trying to explain someone how to make a sparse image on their Mac with words and a couple screenshots is quite difficult. But if I could just do it and record myself doing it, it'd be very much easier. So I went and did my own thing when Apple made their iBooks platform. And I did multiple books through them, seven or eight. I kind of lost track now. Ultimately, you know, iBooks is, you know, the iBooks platform I was using, the iBooks author platform, Apple has abandoned it. And the writing was on the wall a year or two ago. And even though I had some interactivity in it, the iBooks have a maximum storage size of two gigabytes. And if you look at any of the books that you bought from me in the uh, Apple bookstore, they're like 1.999 gigabytes. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I was like, someone at Apple told me that they would test on my books because I was always going to use it to the max, you know? Yeah. Now the stuff I'm doing is at learn.maxsparky. The field guides are there now. And they're primarily 100% video products because that's what people kind of really wanted. And like, there'll be seven or eight gigabytes. It's like four times the size of the content that I could do through iBooks. So it kind of went through this evolution, but now I'm really happy there. I've, I, I am put, including some written materials in them. Like a lot of, like the more recent ones, there is in addition to all the video, there's an EPUB with a transcript of all the video and a future title that I'm working on now is going to have a separate book. That's actually a, an EPUB book that's separate to the videos. So, so I'm kind of doing that too, but the, the primary thing I'm doing these days is, is video production. Very cool. And yeah, iBooks author, it's really sad because I, I'd made a really beautiful book about the iPod using that amazing tool and I'm not sure where I'd turn to make a really beautiful ebook these days. Pages is not quite there. Yeah. Like, where would you turn if someone's asking, where should I make my next ebook in? Well, if I had to do it, well, I'm doing, I'm using pages, but I'm not embedding a ton of video in them because I think they're going to break yeah. with that. So I'm, I'm going to have external links or just give you the video to watch externally. But there, there really is nothing like iBooks author. Yeah, it was a special tool. <laughs> I'm sad it yeah. does not exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, me too. On the video production, how much of those are scripted? Is it just an outline you're following? And Yeah, it's all detailed outlining, um, very little scripting. Anytime I make one on a script, it comes out terrible. I'm not good enough at reading a script. Yeah. The downside to that is it takes longer because I'll have to do a bunch of retakes and things. 
Um, I think if I just scripted it out, it'd be faster, but the final product feels very robotic to me. Mm-hmm. Do you end up doing VO work on videos you've done to all the time. change something or to, yeah. Okay. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and with screen flow, that's easy. Like one of the easiest tricks in screen flow is you're like, man, I wish I had said one additional thing. You just stop the video and you add a freeze frame and you extend it out 10 seconds and then you can VO whatever you wanted to say in at the end. Yeah. And looking back at the field guides you've created over the years, is there any particular subject that you've, you're like, Oh, I learned a ton just researching what I needed to know for this field guide. I think that's true with every one of them. I mean, it's like a six month process for me between the time I commit to one and the time it releases. And I spend a ton of time researching it. Like I've got, as we record this, I'm on the verge of releasing an all new paperless field guide. And the first one I did of paperless was the first iBooks author book I did in 2012. Yeah. So I went back and did all the research from start again and just learned a ton. You know, I just learn stuff every time I make one of these. Yeah. The And the tools there have just been expanding like crazy, all the research apps. I, one just hit today yeah. that was on Mac Stories. I forget the name of it. But yeah, that that field is just kind of interesting research and kind of paperless apps like Devin think. Yeah. For the field guides, there's graphics in the videos and, you know, covers of virtual courses that they are now. Are those something you create or is that something you outsource to someone you trust? I do most of it myself. Um, I just recently did a YouTube video on personal retreats and that one has some animation in it. So I actually hired someone to help me with the animation part of it. But most of the stuff I, I do myself. An interesting bit for iPad users is how do you record an iPad screen? And I've tried so many different ways over the years. Like ScreenFlow is the app I use for recording my Mac screen. Mm -hmm. But as much as I like it, it's not a reliable capture device for iOS. You know, you plug a cable in, and but sometimes it, it stops for whatever reason. Yeah. And if you're looking at your device and you record a 15-minute video and you look up and it stopped in two minutes, you, you just wasted a bunch of time. So the way I record iPad and, and iPhone for for video production is just with QuickTime. And have you tried the built-in tool? I've used it occasionally and like ScreenFlow, sometimes it'll just like stop occasionally without telling you. Yeah, I, I haven't had that break on me and I have used it a few times. Like sometimes I record videos that involve things where I can't keep connected. Like in the paperless field guide coming up, I did a thing where I was capturing documents with my iPhone and I had it far enough away from my desk that it didn't make sense to have a cable plugged in. Yeah. So I did that with the uh, the video capture on, on device and it was fine. Yeah. And something I'm curious about with the trackpad now on iPadOS, has that been something you're incorporating now for kind of highlighting? You're able to like hover over icons and kind of help show what you're doing. Is that something that's made life better for you? Yeah, it has. One thing about the trackpad is I still have not got to the point where I remember it's there. You know, <laughs> yeah. it sounds weird, but, you know, having used an iPad for so long, it's like the idea of a trackpad is still a foreign concept to me. But, like, uh, there are certain apps that is very useful for me. Microsoft Word. I, I mean, I just have to work in Microsoft Word a lot. I know people hate that app. I think it's actually gotten a lot better. But on the iPad with the trackpad, it's a total game changer. Yeah, it really is. It's it's transformed how I use the iPad. It's it's remarkable to think just a year ago we didn't have this uh, trackpad on it, and I was touching my screen all day long, and now it's not the primary input for me. Yeah. With the iPad, any other tools on the iPad you use for uh, field guide creation? I mean, it just it depends on the field guide. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the field guide is the iPad is the subject of the field guide. You know? <laughs> right. You know, but I just I um I mean it just depends what I need, but yeah, I can't think of anything offhand. And for the actual video editing, is that done in Final Cut or uh, elsewhere? It, it, it starts with ScreenFlow, and this is all a Mac uh, workflow, but yep. it starts with ScreenFlow. Um, I'm trying to get an editor involved to do more of that for me, but at this point, I do most of it myself. And then I have a person who checks the edit for me and helps process the audio, which is done through Logic and um, some plugins. And then if needed, sometimes it will go into Final Cut, but quite often we can get everything done through ScreenFlow and audit uh, post-processing. Oh, awesome. And you mentioned transcriptions. Is that something you're having some kind of web service do for you or what's the situation there? I had traditionally hired someone to do it, but recently with the paperless field guide, I'm doing it through otter.ai and I'm pretty happy with the results. 
That's great. Yeah, because that can be hit or miss, I know. I remember back many, many years ago, uh, Dragon Scribe or something was like a local thing that kind of learns your speaking patterns and tried to do it for you. Well, I have my assistant kind of go through and check them, but she was finding errors with the stuff when I paid a human to do it. So it's not that different, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot less expensive. It's Otter AI is, I think, $10 a month, and I never use my full allotment. And then like when I'm publishing YouTube videos and stuff, I can just run it through there and get a, a basic transcript up for you know no additional cost, really. Right. So with the podcast, you're now producing three of them, Mac Power Users, Automators, and Focused. Yeah. So with these, how does the iPad play a role in preparing for the episodes and getting kind of show prep ready? Sure. A lot of the planning, um, which is on all shows now done through Google Docs. We've tried different platforms and just ultimately gave up. And Google Docs is kind of a hit and miss on iPad. But for the type of stuff I do, it's fine. And um, we also use Google Sheets for show planning it's fine for that. For the actual recording process, I don't really use the iPad because um, we, we use, I use a Mac that's running all the re- audio recording. Yeah. And then I've just got a Safari window on my Mac open at the same time. If it's a show that's about iPad, I'll have an iPad next to me so I can refer to it. But mm-hmm. the actual recording process, the, the iPad doesn't fit in there. Yeah. As I talked about research apps a little bit ago, Craft uh, is the one that came out today. And I'm kind of curious to try that for some collaborative podcasts in the future because it seems like an interesting tool for that. Yeah, it's just like we're living through this explosion of research apps right now. We just covered it on Mac Power Users and I am just really excited about this. I think it's a it's a it's a massive improvement over the way people can track ideas and I feel like we're only at the beginning. I mean, the, the apps we're talking about now, there may be an entirely different set of apps in a year. It's evolving so quickly. Yeah. And the devs are learning from each other. It's it's pretty exciting because for a while it felt like the iPad was kind of forgotten. Like Devin think uh, it's like oh what's the iPad? <laughs> and they're finally Devin thinks finally paying attention to uh, the iPad with their to go app and making that better and all these newcomers as well. Well, I reached out to the Devin think developers. I'm like you know you guys need to up your game on iPad and they are. I mean they're putting time into it. Then the other one everyone's talking about is Rome Research, which kind of works on the iPad through Safari. That one isn't really very mobile friendly. Obsidian is the one I've been using the most. And although they don't have an iPad app, it is a cloud-based set of markdown files. So you can use any markdown cloud writer app to access all of your library. I, I actually use one writer for that with Obsidian. But And then, you know, here's a new app today. So, like, I think this is going to be very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I was a huge Devin think. I had Pro Office back in college. I, like, scanned all my textbooks and put it in there and a Devin agent. And I'd love to see more full-featured experiences come here. And I'm, I'm curious with the... Um, M1 transition, If do you think we'll get more of these big apps on the iPad or that there are enough different APIs on the Mac and how you write apps that it'll still be a while before the big, big comers make their way over? I don't know, honestly. Yeah. It, it, it's so new. I mean, it's like I'm already reading about a lot of iPad developers that are opting out of the M1. You know, like I think YouTube has now stated they're not going to be there. It's so weird because like they'd make money being there i'd imagine i guess they make more money in the web but be forcing you in the browser well i i think one of the th- i mean this is a conspiracy theory i guess but the i feel like they get a lot more data on you using youtube through your browser than they would through an ipad app because yeah. you know the the privacy limitations on ipad apps are more extreme so i think that might be part of it but who knows yeah i understand the developers that already have a great mac app and don't want you to just buy it once an ipad and use this a pure uh like a lesser version on your mac when you could be using a better version which costs money uh for for you but it'd be better i haven't heard that much of that yet it seems to me the limitations are usually from media companies or anybody else right now yeah that that, i'll be curious to see yeah with like omni group if they'll just let you use your ipad version on the mac which is definitely not full featured for a mac experience i would say probably yeah agreed so with the focus podcast how's that kind of helped you stay focused has that been something that now that you're focusing on that as a podcast is that something that's helping you personally and in work life well i've always had a bit of the bent towards you know productivity you know nerdiness and trying to figure out how to be more productive and my thinking has really evolved on it a lot over my life to where now i try not to think about being productive so much as being focused and like putting my time into the things that are important. You know, I I think the idea of productivity too often is like, how can I make more widgets faster? And not often enough, like what widgets should I be making? Yeah. 
like what's important in life almost. Yeah. So I, I had these conversations with Mike about it and, and a lot of friends and I read a lot of books and, they, you know, just kind of evolved into this podcast where we try and address the situation. And I was nervous about making that show because so many of these productivity shows are people that want to give you all the answers. Like, you know, like here's five ways that you're going to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it all feels to me like such a bunch of snake oil. You know, these are hard problems that we all face. And when you have multiple commitments in your life, there's not a list of five things that's going to solve all your problems. And I didn't want to be a hypocrite, you know? So we went back and forth on whether or not to make the show. And eventually we decided to do it, but we're kind of taking the approach. Look, we're people that are trying to struggle with this too, but we're going to bring you along on the journey. And, um, some people really like that. And some people have written us and they hate it. They feel like we're not being definitive enough, but yeah, I don't think there's, I don't think there's definitive answers to these questions. You know, you just got to kind of get your head around it and make your own decisions. Yeah. And I've enjoyed it. It's a good mix of you and your co-hosts versus uh, some interview episodes thrown in there. It's, it's, it's good variety. So with Mac power users, that show feels like it's been going on forever. We're past 500 episodes now. Yeah. What have been some of your favorite kind of, uses of the ipad you've discovered from guests that you've interviewed doing the show over these many years uh so many i mean we have a lot of guests on i mean like i said federico is just on every time he comes on he gives me ideas one of the best pieces of advice that i've ever gotten from a mac power user guest was ian bird who came on a few years ago who had recently bought an ipad and he made the point of you know, there are things that are easier on the iPad and things that are harder. But his observation was the things that are harder on the iPad are usually things he could pay somebody else to do for him. Hmm. That the stuff that he was doing on the Mac was more busy work than thinking work. And he started using the iPad as a way to figure out where he could hire a virtual assistant to do things. Like if he couldn't do it on his iPad easily, he figured out that he could actually pay somebody to do it for him. And I thought that was brilliant. You know, just yeah. a different way to think about the device. That's pretty cool. For the podcast themselves, do you do any of the editing or is that someone else's role? Um, I do almost all the editing for the field guys, but we, um, I'm, we're on the Relay Network and there's an editor there who does the audio edits for us. But I've done enough of them over the years that I feel like I can give him notes and th- try to make his job easier. Yeah. Have you tried Ferrite on the iPad as like a, just a test to see if that's a good tool or? Yeah, I've played with it and it's amazing. I think if I was doing my own editing, I'd be very tempted to try and do that. Is that what you're using for the show? Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. I look at Ferrite and I'm like, how come Apple isn't making logic for iPad? Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. It's kind of embarrassing, right? You it know? is, and LumaFusion's staging them up with Final Cut, and they're about to push out multi-cam editing, just like you can do in Final Cut right there in LumaFusion. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. But it makes sense. I mean, it's got enough horsepower. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean, we were doing this stuff on Max 10 years ago, and iPads have only gone faster than yeah. this. Yeah. You know, one thing about the iPad, though, that I, I, I've i said this many times on my podcast, so bear with me if you've heard it already, but there's just, just this element of delight that comes from using an iPad that I don't get from any other technology. It's just fun yeah. to work on an iPad. No, it definitely is. And I love when I'm editing too, especially a long show, I'll be like 30 minutes with the trackpad and the keyboard hooked up, then I'll just yank it off. Let me do some pencil time on the couch. And the ability to just change your environment and input is just so great. It's just a, it's a great experience. Yeah. For publishing the podcasts, they're all on Relay. So the I, you're actually probably not a part of that process or is the iPad used in any part of that? No, iPad iPad's not involved with that. Okay. <laughs> We do it. We do it through. Uh, we have a back end, and it's a whole thing. But you can, because there's a lot of people in Relay that are really into the iPad. You can do almost everything with the iPad, but I, I don't. I actually yeah. do that on my iMac. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Max Sparky blog. Is this an, a Squarespace site? I imagine since uh, the law site is as well. Yeah, yeah. They're both Squarespace, but I write many blog posts in drafts on the iPad. Uh, longer form stuff I do with Ulysses, but I have a cooking folder or cooking tag and drafts and many blog posts start there. And uh markdown I'd imagine is the format you're working with. Amen. Yep. Amen. <laughs> so uh Squarespace on the iPad has been an interesting 
kind of history for me. Sometimes the website's pretty decent. Sometimes you have to use the app for one little feature. What's your relationship with kind of the iPad and, <laughs> and that? I don't think Squarespace is that great at Markdown. Like when you, it has a Markdown method where you can deposit Markdown files, but I just I have an action in drafts that saves a finalized Markdown file to rich text, and then I just use. And Squarespace does have an app now that is much better than the older one. But I just go on the website if I'm on the iPad and I am, and I upload. The other thing I've, I've started doing is like as I try to get more efficient with my life is I do have an assistant help me with some of this stuff and we have a shared base camp. And so I take rich text out of drafts on the iPad and I save it to a base camp note and base camp holds rich text files. And then I just give the instructions to my assistant and then she actually does all the Squarespace backend. So that saves me a little time, costs yeah. me a little money. And that way it's very easy. And then if I want to add any artwork, I just add it to my um, photos library or I can copy and paste into Basecamp's app. And so all that stuff goes to her. And kind of managing kind of the sponsorships on Max Sparky, is that something you keep track of up in OmniFocus and kind of your email system or what's the process for that? Uh, Airtable and uh, same thing, Basecamp with my assistant. Yeah, okay. With uh, Safari now being quote-unquote desktop class on the iPad, has that made a big difference in what you're able to use the iPad for? Yeah, I mean, it seems like it has improved. There were a couple things that weren't working before that work now, and like some of the the legal websites got better. I, I think desktop class is a bit of a stretch. There's still some things that don't work as well, my mm -hmm. banking website and some others, but my banking has it my bank has an app so i just do that stuff there yeah you know there are things for which the ipad just adds a little bit of friction and that's where i'll just go and do it on the mac yeah some websites still are like just painful on the ipad it's like oh come on <laughs> please update. yeah yeah or like rome research is one i did a bunch of testing with rome when we did the research app for mac power users and we had an issue with the rome research website where it runs rome research on safari for the ipad but it doesn't block and copy. If you hit Command-V, Command-C, it doesn't work. You have to right-click on the screen and do the selection. It, it's just weird, like little things like yeah. that. Where, And I think it's it's not the iPad's fault. It's whatever whoever implemented Rome just didn't connect all the pipes. But, you know, you bump into stuff like that once in a while. Yep. At least we're out of the days of 2007 with Flash on every web page. <laughs> oh, Flash. Uh, yeah, I think I got a notice on my Mac... Uh, book air that it's officially dead and uh please get rid of it or something from adobe yeah so uh, the ipad outside of work what role does it play when you're not working you just want to kind of relax and unplug is it your go-to kind of entertainment device these days it is one of several honestly yeah. but the uh, um like i i like in the evening i i like to read books and i do it on kindle app on ipad i also often um will watch maybe some youtube videos or something on the ipad with a set of airpods connected so that's where it kind of goes into consumption mode for me mm -hmm. in the evenings uh i'm not a big ipad gamer there's part of me that wants to be but i just never seem to find time to kind of get into it yeah i tend to use my ipad for gaming mostly as a ps4 remote play screen and sony's actually updated their app to take like full advantage of all the custom things their controller does on the iPad. So it does rumble, the light bar and touch bar all now are full featured. So it feels like you're in front of a PS4, but instead you're on your iPad and it just works wonderfully. Yeah, that's something I need to explore. But you need to have a working PS4 for that to work, you right? You do, yeah. Yeah. And I'm the same local yeah. network, so it's like an at-home type thing when you want to be nice yeah. and not hog the TV. I wish Apple would play nicer with those companies so we didn't have to do that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The streaming services. Those should definitely be a thing within this next year, hopefully. So with personal email, do you have a way to like hide all your business email? To like, What's your approach for email at night? when you want to unplug from work stuff? Uh, you know, I am very disciplined on email. I do an email check in the morning and then I have about an, I have what I call my shutdown routine in the evening. It's about an hour and I, I finish up my email for the day in the evening and I just don't open email again. I don't see it. I don't have any notifications turned on. I don't look at email as synchronous communication. So yeah, you handle personal email this, just during the same business hours and you know, you'll get to it when you get to it. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah, my personal email is a small fraction of my other email, so it doesn't take yeah. long. Have you noticed your family gravitate towards the Mac or iPad as their computer? Like, 
I've noticed weird tendencies in my life of people that are more comfortable on the Mac versus iPad and vice versa. Yeah, it's interesting. My kids who are college students now, and they both have MacBook Airs, and to them, the iPad is not like in play. I mean, they've had iPads available to them. They use them to consume, you know, whatever, you know, barriers there have been, they've been too high for them to actually get work done on the iPad, which is sad. Hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anything else non-work related about the iPad that you want to chat about before moving on? No, just, you know, like, yeah, I keep saying how delightful it is and that that really is something special. And yeah, the promotion thing was another just delightful thing they added a while back that I just love just reading I don't know, Twitter, I shouldn't say Twitter, but uh, Twitter is just delightful scrolling through uh, and seeing yeah. it refresh as quickly as it does. Yeah, I wish Instagram would make it to the iPad. You know, I um, like in bed, that's when I would give myself permission to do something like that, but it's not there. Yeah. And the 4x3 aspect ratio, I just love uh, revisiting old 4x3 TV shows from like the 90s on the iPad because it's like, this is the perfect screen for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that. So uh, close now, um, any notable apps on iPad that we haven't covered yet that you want to chat about? I, I really think Ulysses is a special app for that stuff, you know, for writing long form. I really am impressed with Fantastical and the way that they've adopted the iPad and treated it as its own platform. That's one of those apps where there's almost no difference between using it on the Mac and using it on the uh, the iPad. You know, they, yeah. they have all the features. I'm, Omni Group used to sponsor some of the stuff I did, so take it as a you know however you want. But but I, I think they've done a really good job on iPad of of bringing their productivity apps out. Drafts we've mentioned a few times, but it's just like Drafts is amazing for anybody who writes a lot and the actions and the automation stuff. It's like its own automation platform. I still wish that mail was better. Instapaper is Insta, Instapaper is an app I haven't mentioned, but that's another one I I spend a lot of time doing. You know, it's just a, it's just a great app. And like laying in bed, like it's the same thing. Like I I kind of like put things off to uh, appropriate times as I go through the day. People send me web articles they want me to read. I can't stop and read it. I'm in the middle of doing something, but I just add them to Instapaper and sitting in bed, I can just read through them on my iPad. And it, it really is kind of like that science fiction moment. Yeah. Do you use Omni Outliner? Is that something or do you use Word or Drafts or some other no, tool? I use Omni Outliner as, as an outlining tool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And with the iPad in multitasking and like the split screen apps, is that something you find yourself using? Or are you a one app kind of user? Depends. Usually one app at a time, but for different specialized tasks, I'll put two on the screen. Um, like when I reviewed contracts, I'll use a PDF app to do that. And then I will, um, and then I'll keep drafts open on one third of the mm -hmm. right side and I can just dictate into drafts while I'm reviewing and then, you know, highlighting with the pencil and then dictating into drafts. Yeah. And then as far as the OS in general, is there one feature you'd love to have from the Mac for make its way to the iPad? Tag support. It just, they got to fix that. Yeah. With the shortcuts, have you developed like a shortcut? cut to like show me all of this tag and it picks from a, you're able to like pick it from a list in some sensical way or well what i do i mean usually the big hangout for me is creating um tags adding yeah. tags to documents so i've created a choose from menu shortcut that uses toolbox pro yeah so i use toolbox pro with the choose from menu shortcut that has all the common combinations of tags and i just tap a button and it adds them and okay. so that 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 solves the problem but i shouldn't have to buy a third-party app to do nope Thanks. No. Yeah. Yeah. The choose from menu thing in shortcuts is great. I have one for uh, choosing just an Apple watch face from my more favorite ones that has a name. Yeah. That actually makes sense. And yeah. Yeah. As far as apps that I've had anything lacking that you, if you could snap your fingers and make some Mac developer go to work and make this on the iPad, what would it be? This explosion of research apps. I'd like to see them all have iOS components like Obsidian says they're going to have one Rome. I'm not sure what they're planning. And so I, I feel like all those, I'd like to see them get more aggressive on the iPad. I think the mail that the, there's a problem to be solved with mail that hasn't been solved yet. And those are, those are two of my bigger hangups with the iPad, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I really wish they would add, you know, the usual things like audio support. So people that want to like make a podcast and do multiple recordings on their iPad, stuff like that. It's like, there's no excuse not to have that stuff at this point with as much power as they have in these chips. And, uh, as we all would like, uh, widgets on the home screen. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, man. Don't get me started. <laughs> that was the biggest disappointment. Yeah, of, me too. Uh, widgets. It's yeah. like it's like someone. It's like going to a fancy dinner and someone saying, "We have the best chocolate ice cream that's ever been made in the world, but you can only have it in this very tiny cup. Yeah. And the rest of your plate has to be filled with vegetables. Come on." <laughs> We want more ice cream. Yeah. It's like I have a one terabyte iPad. I don't want to see the thousands of apps I have. I want to hide them in the app library as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I wonder that to me, that's like a big question mark. It's like, are they going to fix that in a point update of iOS 14? Or are they going to make us wait till next year? I really hope they do something like they did the trackpad support before the big next update comes. And... Me too. Me too. So we both have new iPhones arriving very soon here. Yours is the Max variety. Does having a screen that large, does that become almost like a third reference screen as you're working? And have you considered using that Bluetooth keyboard that can switch between multiple devices, something you end up using with your iPhone at all? I've been thinking a lot lately about this iPad at my bedside table. And do I really need that? I mean, I guess we're going to get out of COVID at some point and that thing will go back to its old job. Yep. But it's like also... You know, I could get my bedtime reading. I could do on an iPhone just as easily because I have the big one. I don't know. I don't. I, I have. I'm. My thoughts are complicated. <laughs> yeah. I. I don't really mind the big one. I've been using the big one for several years, and it fits in my pocket fine, and I don't really think about it. But yeah. At the same time, it would be nice to have a smaller one. I. I. I really because my my big one shows up tomorrow, and there's part of me that may just return it and get the smaller iPad, iPhone Pro. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, I, I can see you almost, it, you know, it, it truly does get into small iPad territory, you know, with this bigger phone. Yeah, just different uh, aspect ratio. Well, uh, anything else before we uh, wrap it up? No, no. Thanks for making this show. I think it's great, a great resource. And uh, I hope everybody out there is enjoying using their iPads. Oh, thank you. Um, where can people find your podcasts and field guides and everything else you're up to? Yeah, just head over to MaxSparky.com and you can find pretty much everything. Uh, if you're interested in the field guides, they are at learn.maxsparky.com. And all of my podcasts are over at relay.fm. Excellent. And you got a couple free field guides if you want to get your feet wet with those as well. Especially uh, gift guide seasons coming up and you have an old one of those to learn how to yeah. wrap paper. <laughs> uh, gifts the, the best way. Yeah. And the papers, the new paperless one is coming out soon. Not quite done yet, but very shortly. So okay. that one will be out soon. Cool. And yeah, I guess last question with the paperless one. Do you kind of divide it out with Mac and iPad? Or are they kind of intermixed as some of the tools are in both platforms? They're, they're separate sections. So you can, you, if you just use iOS, you can, there's everything you need there, you know. So it, it covers the platform separately. Very cool. Well, thank you, uh, David, for your time again. This is great chatting and catching up with you. All right. Thanks, Tim. Take care. Well, that was my interview with David. Thanks to David for his time recording this interview. Make sure to check out his work over at MacSparky.com. He just had Federico Vatici on Mac Power Users, and that is an episode to definitely check out. That was episode 561. My thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring iPad Pros. Go to www.agenda.com to learn more about their awesome app and download the app today for free on the App Store. My thanks also to you for your time and attention today tuning in to this week's episode of iPad Pros. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon for episode 100 of iPad Pros. Thanks for listening.